Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, you can go to the all new Speaking of Travel website. It's full of great travel info and links to podcasts and photos and so much more. Just visit speakingoftravel.net. No passport required to go there. And remember, you can listen anytime, anywhere in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, you know, over the years, I've talked with many, many people who just blow my mind when they tell me about some of the adventures they've had. You know, I think of myself as adventuresome, but really, I'm no Indiana Jones, that's for sure. I travel because I'm passionate about having new experiences and seeing new things. And every time I step out of my comfort zone, I'm really proud of myself. So I guess you could say I'm into adventure, but what does that really mean. My guest today is John Levy. He's a human behavior scientist who travels around the world studying the science of adventure. His book, The 2AM Principle, is all about the science of adventure. And he has an incredible reputation as one of the foremost authorities on adventure. John, I am so excited to have you on my show today. I'm super excited to be here. This is uh, going to be a ton of fun, and I can't wait to dive in into all the cool stuff with you guys. I know. Me too. But first, I have to ask you, John. So tell us a little bit about yourself when you were growing up. Were you like a little kid who was traveling all the time and getting into all these different adventures? What was your early life like? Well, it's kind of funny. I was born while my parents were on vacation, and I... uh, uh, they were terribly irresponsible. They traveled in the third trimester. And so I was born in Tel Aviv, Israel, even though my family was living in the United States. Uh, so within three weeks, I was already on a plane to the U.S. And I, uh, I guess I've never stopped traveling since. Uh, but I, I wish I could say that I was adventurous as a child. I was, uh, I was actually probably just more really unpopular. Um, and I found it out in the most uncomfortable way possible. My uh, school teacher decided to come in in eighth grade at the homeroom, and all the kids are sitting in their seats, and the teacher says, today everybody gets to submit two people they want to sit with and two people they don't want to sit with privately, and we're going to redo the entire seating chart. And <laughs> there, there are two things that I found out over the course of the day. One was that there was uh, one student nobody wanted to sit with, and the second was that that student was me. And I was heartbroken. And, you know, when you're in eighth grade, your entire life is about fitting in in school. Like, there's no life outside of that. And so uh, I tried to do what all the cool kids did, and I failed miserably at all of it. I didn't care about their TV shows or their sports or activities. I was a geek. You but were my... a geek. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I liked computers when it wasn't cool to like computers. Uh, and But I figured what I lacked in social skills, I made up for in my love of science. And if I could figure out what's going on in the background, if there was some kind of model at play, 
I could maybe finally figure out how to have an exciting life or a fun life. I was watching movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Indiana Jones, and I wanted that. Uh, and so I dedicated myself to figuring out what's actually happening here and how do we learn to live more exciting lives. Wow. Just think if more eighth graders knew how to do that, John. <laughs> It took a long time. It didn't have to be in eighth grade, let me tell you. Right. But just the fact that you were thinking about that, that that you had some kind of intuitive, like, wisdom going on. Oh, my God, I'm an unpopular kid, but I really want to have an exciting life. How do I figure that out? I I wish I could even say that. It was probably more just absolute desperation, not Uh. wanting to be lonely. Uh, You know, eighth grade is a tough time for people to fit in. You're going through all of the changes in life, and then you're off to high school. So uh, I, I appreciate the, uh, the sentiment, but it was really like born out of geekiness. Yikes. <laughs> so what did you do after high school? Did you go to a college where you felt like you could fit in and, and gather around other like-minded geeks? Um, I, I uh, went to NYU. I studied computer science, math, and economics. Uh, so I was still really, really geeky. I think uh, one of the big jokes is that the, in my classes, the women had more facial hair than I did because it was, you know, like the geekiest topics in the 90s. Studying computer science wasn't a cool thing to do. Sure. And so uh, so I, it, it wasn't until I really took a year off from college in the middle and I went and spent a year abroad that I met a group of people that I felt were really adventurous and fun. And we would spend our weekends uh, and often our weeknights uh, trying to figure out games and absurd activities that we could, we could uh, participate in. I clearly remember there was, a, there was a rival group to ours also traveling. And, in, uh, and we were in the same city uh, one time. And so we... Essentially, it was like a, a like a fraternity challenge. We started stealing things from one another and like sneaking uh, into their uh, spaces and so on. And it turned into this kind of like wild Mission Impossible like experience week after week, trying to outdo one another. And it was all in friendly jest, right? Nobody was actually in any uh, doing anything illegal. But at that point, I began to realize, like, oh, there's a group of people out there who are really interested in having this wildly fun life, that it's not just about going out for drinks, but that there's more out there. So, wow, that sounds like dun, 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 dun. He must have been having so much fun. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. And, you know, you're still in, in my early 20s. I was still, you know, kind of awkward and uh, figuring out what it's socializing is all about and embarrassing myself and all the normal stuff that you go through as you're developing. But, uh, but I really felt like I found a group of people who shared common values. And that was one of the first times in my life. It, it happened throughout high school a few times, but, that, but it was one of the first times in my life that I realized the scale at which I could actually find people that cared about the things that I cared about. Well, do you consider that something of a a law of attraction? I mean, now that you've all these years later, do you think that that's part of the science is finding I, I those people? That, 
And so there's this concept of homophily, right? Like birds of a feather flock together. Uh, but I think the bigger issue is that when you're in grade school, you have a very limited pool of people to meet. And uh, when you're in college, the pool is bigger, but it, you won't necessarily find the people that you're aligned with. When you sign up for a year-long trip, uh, you already know the people are more adventurous. Uh, so it's self-selecting. That and makes so sense. I think that... I think that if you want to find people that care about the things that you care about, uh, you have to go where they cluster. And that's where you'll find a community that's really right for you. Now, the things that I do adventure-wise are complete insanity. I wouldn't recommend it for people because everybody has a different tolerance for these kinds of things. Um, but I, I think that you need to go out there and look at the activities that you want to do and then when you go there or sign up for something, you'll really find a community of people that can get behind it. Wow. Well, when we come back from the break, John, I want to pick up right there and talk more about uh, getting to that place and even knowing, I guess, how to uh, jump off what's, you know, what defines adventure and taking the risk, I guess. That's your expertise. That's what you've been doing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to cover some super cool stuff. I can't wait to actually share some scientific research with you uh, that I believe will really impact people's lives. Well, I can't wait either. So when we come back, we'll pick up right there. Thank you, John Levy, for being on the show today. This is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host of Speaking of Travel, and we'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host, and you're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville, North Carolina, home since 1979. And remember, you could go to the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net, and you'll find podcast links and photos and some 
stories and travel tips. It's all right there. And remember, download your iHeartRadio app. You can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world. I've actually spoken to some people who really enjoy listening to the podcast when they're traveling. What a novel idea, sitting on a train and listening to Speaking of Travel. Well, today my guest is John Levy. I'm so excited to have him on the show. He wrote the book, The 2 A.M. Principle, Discover the Science of Adventure. And I'll tell you, I have been reading this book over the last couple of weeks, and it is intriguing. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for hosting me. This you, is going to be a ton of fun. I know. So, John, I picked up, I get this book. You know, I, I find information about you, and I start kind of going down your rabbit hole and seeing, oh, my God, who is this John Levy? He's done so much, and he's got all this going on, and he wrote the book, The 2 A.M. Principle. What does that even mean? So I ordered the book. I, I pull it out of the uh the envelope, and there it is in this bright orange and blue, the 2 a.m. principle. Tell us a little bit about how that all unfolded. Uh, so it's funny you should say or ask uh, about, um, I don't know, about four years ago, three years ago now, I was uh, in Pamplona, and I, I don't know if you've ever had like a really bad breakup, but uh, to reward myself for making it through it in such a healthy way, I decided the best thing to do would be to put my life in immediate danger by running with the bulls. And so uh, I, I go to Pamplona, and I, didn't, I thought I'd done all the research on uh, how running with the bulls happened. And so I, I make it through the run. I'm completely fine. I end up in the stadium. But what I didn't realize was once you're in the stadium, they release the bulls one at a time to mess with the about, I don't know, four or 500 people who are standing there uh, on the sand. Now, when the bulls enter the stadium, they actually run up a ramp. Two gates are opened, and then they jump in. And I did something really stupid. I, people line up and let the bull jump over them. But in my case, the bull missed its jump, landed on my shoulder, and crushed me. Ugh. And uh, I thought I was paralyzed. Time stopped, uh, and literally the thousands of people cheering and screaming disappeared. And I had this moment where I had an argument with myself in my head. One side said, John, you moron. How could you put yourself in danger like this? You might spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. And the other side of me said, that's crazy. This is just a fluke. You'd have never been happy living a life without adventure. And this is just something that happened. And we'll figure it out and get through this. I eventually ended up in triage and then in an emergency room. And after about six months, my back was in pretty much normal shape. I still get back pain and stuff like that. But... Uh, I realized that I can't live without adventure, that fundamentally there's, there's something about the idea of adventure that, that's ingrained in all of us, and I needed to figure out how to make it available to everybody. Uh, and at some point, we've been fooled into thinking that it's only available for movie characters like Ferris Bueller and Indiana Jones. Uh, but really, it's available to all of us. And so I dedicated myself to understanding 
what it is that causes people to live fun, exciting lives. And I found all the research that I could, and I ended up discovering that every adventure follows a four-stage process, and each stage has specific characteristics that, when you apply it, make life exciting. And that's essentially the birth and origin of the 2 a.m. principle in the science of adventure. Wow. So let me ask you, how, how, did, you, um, how did you do your research? So uh, the research that I did was really about uh, applying and understanding mostly work of other scientists. Right, so I would come across a, a study by... Uh, Dan Kahneman, Nobel laureate, and he discussed uh, a concept called the peak end rule. And the peak end rule works like this. Imagine you go on a date and you are head over heels for the person. And in the last moments, it's been like three hours of absolute perfection. You're about to lean in for the kiss and the person looks you in the eyes and says the most awful thing you have ever heard in your life. And you go home and somebody asks you, good date or bad date? What do you say? Uh, bad date? <laughs> yeah. It's three hours of perfection, though, and three seconds of terrible. Why is it that three seconds of terrible negates the three hours of perfection? <laughs> good and question. The it, yeah. And the, the reason is that human beings can't process the duration of pleasure or pain. What we notice are the peaks of experiences and how they end. And so one of the characteristics of adventure is, it's essential to end with style. And the reason is that if you, it's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're, it's, it's uh, deteriorating into nothingness, right? You're, like, still figuring, trying to figure out what to do, and you end up at a pizza place, and you end up getting home at 5 a.m., and you're exhausted. Your next day is shot. The way you'll remember that experience is, like, it wasn't that great. And... So one of the most important things about adventure is in knowing when to call it. And that, in fact, is the 2 a.m. principle, which is nothing good happens after 2 a.m. except the most epic experiences of your life. So you either need to know to call it before 2 a.m. or know how to push past that boundary to create something extraordinary. And that's what the entire book's about. Wow. So did you talk to a lot of people who have actually experienced this and said, yes. This is exactly the takeaway that I've learned in my life. So I've spoken to a ton of people, right? The, the process was I collected all this research, and then I tested it in my own life, and I took people with me and tested it over and over again and see what works and what didn't work personally. And then I also spent a lot of time. I took all the photos of my wildest nights out, and I looked for patterns in them, and I found that every night followed the four-stage process. I call the epic model. So it's establish, push boundaries, increase, continue. And uh, when I presented it to people, they're like, absolutely, this is how my nights go or my experiences go. Uh, but whatever it is, the, the science really backs up the idea. And the researchers who are involved in this work are just top notch. So a lot of my work is about the application of research and how to model it or bring it together so that it can make an impact on people's lives. And such an impact, because as we know, that when that impact is felt, people change. Their attitudes yeah. change, their worldviews change, so many things change. One of the fundamental elements uh, is in an adventure is that 
people are left changed from the experience. It's not an adventure if you didn't grow. And so in my mind, adventure is a fundamental catalyst for my personal growth and improvement. It pushes me outside of my comfort zone. It forces me to cross some kind of social, physical, or emotional boundary, whether it's swimming in zero-degree water in Antarctica, getting crushed by a bull in Pamplona, or even doing social things like battling Kiefer Sutherland in Jenga and getting invited to his family Thanksgiving. There are boundaries that when we push them, when we cross them, we're left fundamentally changed. And as a result, we are better people at the end of the day than when we started. Well, you're talking my language. You're talking dirty to me, actually. This is really great, John. I love it. Well, when we come back from the break, let's pick up right there, because I want to talk a little bit more about this pushing the boundary, increasing, continuing model, this epic model of adventure, establish, push boundaries, increase, continue. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is really great. This is A real treat. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, if you're looking for a home or a cabin or a condo even in Asheville, North Carolina, you need to go see my buddies over at Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. So they've got this area pretty well covered on that on that ground. <laughs> and remember, you can go to the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net, and you could also check out the Facebook, Speaking of Travel Facebook page. There you'll find links and story ideas and some really great travel t- travel tips, and you'll be able to find out more about my guest, John Levy, who's here with us today. John, where are you calling? Where are we talking to you from today? Uh, Today I'm in New York, uh, but in the next few weeks I'm going to be in uh, Berlin, Israel, Barcelona, uh, where else, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and 
then I'm going to probably do something called El Camino de Santiago, which is a, I think it's supposed to last about a month, but you walk uh, a large portion of Spain by foot. I'm going to do probably about a week of it. Oh, good. I can't wait. to. We'll have to have you back on the show so you can talk to us more about that. And I wanted to ask you, this is just a trivia question, but you've you said that you were actually born in Israel, although your parents lived in the U.S. Do you have a Israeli passport? Yeah, I'm a dual citizen. A dual and, citizen. Uh, I'm, yeah, the rest of my siblings were born in the U.S., which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, a, I'm a dual citizen, and I'm actually hoping to get my third citizenship, which is uh, uh, Spanish. Ah. Uh, because there's a special agreement. I think it lasts about another year where I can apply. Great. Well, so, John, before the break, and as we've been talking a little bit about your book and the 2 a.m. principle and, you know, how travel changes changes us um, for the better, we're better people for it. Let's talk a little bit about that epic model again, the established push boundaries, increase, continue. Go into that just a little bit deeper, how would I even know how to establish? Like, how do I get to the point to go there? So before we dive into that, I uh-huh. think it's, it would be really helpful for the listeners to understand what defines an adventure. Oh, good. Because when I started uh, looking at this topic, there was no unified definition. And so uh, what I describe an adventure as is, one, an experience that is exciting and remarkable. Now, I say remarkable, I literally mean it's worth talking about, because for millennia, we passed down our knowledge through an oral tradition of storytelling. And if it's not worth telling a person about, it's not culturally significant. Two, it possesses adversity and or risk, preferably perceived risk. Uh, The reason I emphasize this is that even though your brain processes uh, an immediate danger differently than a imagined risk, the physical response is incredibly similar, which means that you can have the experience of a challenge with, or having to overcome something without putting yourself in direct peril. It's the difference between skydiving and climbing Everest. Everest is 2,222 times more dangerous than skydiving. Skydiving is really safe. And then the third is it brings about growth. The person you are at the end is distinct from the person that started. You fundamentally are left changed from the experience. And long past the point that the stories fade and the memories fade, you'll have an expanded capacity in life. And so when I look at adventure, these are the core values that I, I ascribe to it. Now, as far as what the epic model is, that's really the step-by-step process by which an adventure takes place. Uh, And a lot of people think adventures happen randomly or by chance, but they actually follow a very predictable process uh, that anyone can learn. So you just asked about established, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So in the established phase, you put the right elements in place so that anything can happen. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. Have you ever noticed that if you have the right group of people, then a terrible party can be fun, but if you're with the wrong group, even the best party is awful? Yes, I can attest to that. So the most important thing you can do for an adventure is to build the right team of people around you. 
another important characteristic to establish at the beginning is a new location. Your brain fundamentally operates different in an environment that's unfamiliar. Uh, when we're exposed to things that are new or different, we are enticed to explore and understand them. And as a byproduct, we become more open to uh, experiences and, and seeing the environment. Uh, so there's, these, there's several other characteristics, but just to keep it simple, establish is where you put the key elements in place that will define your experience or your adventure. The second stage, push boundaries. You have to cross some kind of social, physical, or emotional boundary. This is the growth that we talked about earlier. The third stage is increase. You maximize the emotional value of the environment that you're in. So you stepped into a bar, you're pushing boundaries by uh, talking your way past the bouncer and convincing them that you're a, a uh, celebrity. Or you start talking to a group of strangers, which makes you really nervous, but you end up becoming friends with strangers and you bring the group a group of, that you're talking to in with the people that you know, and all of a sudden you have a larger group. So you're pushing some kind of social, physical, or emotional boundary, and now you're increasing. So to maximize the amount of value you get from the environment that you're in before you move on, you might use challenges between people. You might entertain people with a skill that you have or storytelling and so on. You could use surprises. Um, and so that's a third stage increase. And then the fourth stage is continue. You choose where to move on and how to get there. And there's a series of characteristics that are rules for how to transport groups of people or uh, how to pick where to go next. And if you do, you loop back through the process over and over again until you end with style. And we discussed why that was so important previously. Yes. <clears throat> Ending with style, definitely important, right? I heard that even about going to a party, like when you leave the party, you should end on a high note. Yes. It's, uh, it's really important that no matter what you do uh, in life, that you end positively, because that's the, what you'll remember. It's called the peak end rule, and it was discovered by the famed uh, behavioral economist Dan Kahneman and his partner Amos Tversky, that we don't process the duration of pleasure or pain. What we track is the peaks of the experiences and especially how they end. So, John, let me ask you about yourself. When, and, and we'll use the example of the running with the bulls. When, when you had that aha moment, you know, when you found yourself in this predicament and you had two voices going back and forth, do you feel that that was a, a, a life-changing event for you to realize that you were onto something and that this was the way that you wanted to move forward, living your own life? So it was more affirming than changing. So it, it, it accelerated something that I was already really passionate about, which was being out there and pushing boundaries. But after that, I was like, listen, if I survived this, <laughs> I'm on to something here. Right. <laughs> and you did. And I'm not going to stop. Yeah, I did. And then I kept going. I climbed the ghost tower of Bangkok. And for those of you who know what that's like, that's super fun. And it's a lot less dangerous. I um, went to all seven continents in one year once. I spent a year traveling every month to the biggest event in the world, wherever it was, while holding a full-time job. I had no idea how I was going to pay for any of these things. Um, so it, I, I created this uh, life around what it was to continuously be uncomfortable. 
Well, you're a man after my own heart here, John, and I can't thank you enough for being on the show. When we come back from the break, let's pick up right there. I want to I want to find out, too, how people can make their lives more exciting right now. Let's let's talk about Come that. In. Okay. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with my guest, John Levy. He wrote the book, The 2 A.M. Principle, and is living it. We'll be back after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been here in Asheville for so many years and helping people since 1979. So if you want to find a place to live in Asheville, they're the people you need to go talk to. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. All you need to do is to download it, type in Speaking of Travel, and there you'll find all the past podcast. Well, I am so excited to have John Levy on the show today. Uh, John, I have to tell you, I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you. You just are, you're just bigger than life. What can I say? You are living it. (laughs) You are flattering me far too much. I'm just saying that you are doing a lot. And I'm intrigued by this whole science of adventure. And, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I've, I've, had conversations with a lot of people who are really pushing those limits and going out there on these big adventures. And, you know, but let me ask you, what can people do right now to make their lives more exciting? Maybe it's not running with the bulls. Maybe it's not walking the Camino. What what can people do just in their, you know, just now to get started doing something different? So first and foremost, I would never recommend running of the bulls to anybody unless they're really sure they want to do it. Right? <laughs> right. I, I often talk about the difference between uh, imminent peril, right, like something that could actually kill you in the moment, and a perceived risk. So the, if you want to do something that will change your life right now, uh, let's first of all talk about uh, something called optimal anxiety theory, which is researchers looked at when people are most effective and productive. And it occurs not when they are 
safely inside their comfort zone. But rather when they're just outside their comfort zone to the point that it wakes them up and not so far out that it freaks them out. And the key here is in finding activities that make you just a little bit uncomfortable so you feel like you're learning and you're engaged. It's called optimal anxiety, the peak amount of anxiety that you function best at. And to achieve it or to get into it, you want to be doing something that's crossing either a social, physical, or emotional boundary. I'll give you an example. I would recommend uh, for every person here who's listening, instead of going out on Saturday night and grabbing some drinks with friends, setting a more complex or sophisticated mission. So what could that be? That could be that you go out and instead of going to five bars or whatever throughout the course of the night, you go to the bars, but you don't take any money with you, and you have to convince strangers to buy you all your drinks. Now, all of a sudden, that same bar that you've been to 10 times is a completely different experience because you have a mission. You have something driving your behavior that would otherwise, uh, that, that forces you out of your comfort zone. So it might mean that you have to get really good at being a pool shark. It might mean that you have to be a really good storyteller that entertains people that they then want to buy you a drink, whatever it is. But the key is create some kind of game, a mission with rules. Uh, One of the things I do is there's a a game I like to play called Stories, and it works like this. Let's say the two of us go go out, and we meet some strangers, and they ask you a question, right? So what do you do? I would... Start talking and answer it. Except the way that stories works is that I answer any question that's posed to you, and I can say anything I want, and you have to go along with it. Okay. So I say, oh, so funny you should ask. Her last name is actually Barnum, like the circus, and she's a third-generation carny. Why don't you show them that, that contortionist trick your mom taught you? Okay. And you have to go along with it, and it creates these environments where people have to be really creative, playful, and fun, rather than just having the same scripted conversation that they always have when, oh, you know, I work on a radio show or I do research or whatever it is. Uh, and it really, like, doesn't matter. You could be anyone you want. You can play with it and have some fun. Well, I, so, I have, oh. at, on occasion, John, when I've gone to a, a conference, instead of putting my name, I've put somebody else's name and thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I guess and that the, kind of starts it, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the key here is just to do something that stands out as different. You want to trigger the major novelty center of the brain. And when I say novelty, I just mean something that's new or different. Because as human beings, we're wired for things that are new or different. When it comes right down to it, uh, people always ask me, if you were to boil everything down into one thing about adventure, what is it? And the answer is that the size of our life is in proportion to how uncomfortable we're willing to be. And so it comes down to a willingness to be uncomfortable and saying yes to things, even if you don't think you'll like them. One, you might discover something that you end up liking that you never expected. And two, even if you don't like it, at least you have a variety of experiences to pull from. It makes you more creative, more interesting. It's not always about having a a pleasant story, but about having a wealth of interesting experiences. Like I've been, I once dropped myself off in Nice in France with no place to sleep, didn't know anybody. 
didn't have like a clue of the city and I don't speak French. And my deal with myself was either I'd convince a stranger to put me up for the night or I'd sleep on the street. And so this year I'm doing it in, in uh, Reykjavik in Iceland. Last, uh, two years ago I did it in, uh, in uh, Latin America. And it always works out. But it causes me to go out there and talk to strangers and make friends in a way that I would never do otherwise. Well, you've certainly come a long way from that eighth grade boy, John. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I take that as a huge compliment. It definitely shows just how, you know, the process of life and and creating your path around, you know, just your your life experiences and doing – and and now for you doing what you do, living that life, living that lifestyle, and and you had mentioned you know that that experience was affirming for you. This is affirming for me, and I hope for my listeners too. That when when you do something like that, it does kind of jingle something up, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It it wakes you up. Yeah. Well, John, how can people get in touch with you? How can we order your book and learn more about what what you've been telling us today? So the book is called The 2 a.m. Principle, Discover the Science of Adventure. Uh, You can find it anywhere books are sold, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, anything you could imagine. Uh, And then as far as getting in touch with me, I'm super easy to get a hold of. I'm John Levy, T-L-B. So it's J-O-N-L-E-V-Y, as in yellow. T like Thomas, L like lion, B like boy. And so I'm JohnLevyTLB.com. And... You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and so on uh, as John Levy TLB, and feel free to reach out. I try to get back to everybody who messages me, and I hope you like the book. It was a real labor of love, and uh, judging by the responses I've been getting, people are really enjoying it. Well, I even got my tattoo and sent me a picture of my tattoo on their arm. Yes, of the 2 a.m. principle. Wow. Well, I can tell you, I have been reading it. I really am enjoying it very much. I love the whole creative way that you did the book, too. It's it's bright and easy to read and fun. It's a fun book. So, uh, listeners, what's super cool about it is that, uh, and we had an amazing designer at Regan, uh, which is my publishing house, uh, they created a spindle on the cover so you can actually spin a part of the cover and it reveals challenges that you can participate in uh, that are super exciting and adventurous and fun. Well, I'm doing that right now, John, and mine came up, Russell up some trouble. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's a a more wild story about uh, a a crazy night in Miami where... um, well, I'll let the listeners read the book. They're going to have to read the book. And, John, I would love to have you on the show today, So let's uh, on another day. So what do you think? Will you do it? Absolutely. Anytime awesome. you want. Well, we've Come got a in. lot more to cover. Thank you so much for being with us today, John. We learned a lot. We're, I, I know I'm ready to go out and talk to the person in the grocery line about something that might not be related to groceries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, There's one thing I really like to do, which is I walk up to somebody and I say, you look like the most interesting person here. Let's see if I'm right. Ah, love it. All right, John. Well, thank you so much. Go out and have a great week. 
Thank you. I, I will. And safe travels. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. Go out, everybody. Have a great week. Try something new. Step outside your comfort zone. And remember, don't postpone joy. Don't